This is Martin J. Weiss. Uh, my new book is Flamingo Coast. Uh, it's a thriller about an aggressive IRS agent, Jennifer Morton, uh, who goes after a felon that fled to an island, uh, and she discovers a community that harbors some of the biggest financial criminals in the world. That's what starts. This is Eric Tarloff. Uh, my new book is called The Woman in Black, and it's a sort of brooding novel about Los Angeles and show business during the 1950s. Eric, I was just looking at your book. Um, it's kind of fascinating. Um, it's a heartfelt satire told by uh, witnesses of your protagonist, right? Yes, it's told in the form of uh, an oral history. That's right. Kind of a docudrama, would you say? Well, I would say oral history, but uh, I'll accept any description. No, say docudrama. No, I'm kidding. Um, tell me how, how you came to that approach, because I think uh, that's so unique. Well... It's interesting because I had the idea for the book a really long time ago. I would say 40 years ago. And I just couldn't figure out how to tell it uh, because so much of it depended on the sort of protean nature of the, of the central character, uh, the way in which uh, he was sort of different to everybody who knew him. And I finally realized, and it just came to me in a flash. I mean, it's almost like one of those movie things where a guy slaps his head, where if I could do it as an oral history, I could get a kind of kaleidoscopic view of who he was. You know, it's like every turn of the kaleidoscope gives you a slightly different view. And I hope the three-dimensional, coherent, even if occasionally mutually contradictory set of descriptions uh, would evoke the character. And I, I hope they do. I don't know. We'll see how people react. But that's certain, that certainly was my hope. Well, it's a great way to cheat the, the point of view dilemma that we all have when we write a novel, right? Well, yes, although it also came with its own set of difficulties, of course, because, first of all, every voice had to be a little different, and everyone had to have a story to tell. And there are 37 different characters, which means 37 different points of view and 37 different sets of, of anecdotes. That was kind of a challenge that I'd never actually had to meet before. Uh, so, you know, in some ways it made life easier, and in some ways it made life much more difficult. Was it, was it hard for you to keep track of all the characters? And, and, and let me ask you how long it took you to write it. Not including the 40 years that you, you pined on it. Yeah, not counting the 40 years. Well, those 40 years must have counted for something because it actually it went very quickly once I started writing. I would say it took eight or nine months. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is fast for me. I don't know how fast you write, but for a novel, that, that's the quickest I've ever done one, I think. Yeah, that's fast. That's yeah. fast for anybody. Now, I was wondering about yours because, I mean, I don't write thrillers and I don't even read that many of them. And I was, what do you start with? What was the germ of this book? What, did, what made you think, yes, I want to tell this story? Can you recall? Is it possible to reconstruct that? You know, that is, that is um, a good question um, because it, this, this too was a story that um, was with me for not, not 40 years, but I'd say close to 10 years um, when, I, when I first started working on, on the concept and the idea. And I was intrigued by, by some of the historical stuff that's, that is currently the backstory later in the book uh, that has some historical elements that are, that are true that I heard about that, that relate to the IRS and the, the CIA stepping and on each other's toes. Yeah, back in the Iran-Contra affair. And th this was some of the, the stuff that I had never heard of, and it's not really very well known uh, that, that, for example, the... Uh, 
the IRS was in, investigating offshore banking uh, and exposed that the CIA was using the same bank to launder arms. I thought that was fascinating. That was one thing. But, you know, an another uh, element that I was just really intrigued with back then when I started working on the idea was why did why does somebody become an IRS agent, especially an aggressive one? And I just I just thought it was an interesting character uh, to, to start with. And, and in this novel, uh, it's a female uh, who gets fired early on for being too aggressive in her work. And um, that that opens up an opportunity for her to be even more aggressive and go off the grid to places that don't extradite and uh, not knowing how she was going to capture the people she was going after. Uh, and, and it make, makes for something that's quite easy and it, it crosses over to a lot of the headlines about offshore banking right now too that um, yeah. are also an interest of mine. But I mean, in a way, this, you're almost begging my question because what I'm wondering is, if you start, did you start with the curiosity about the CIA and banking? I mean that that question, or did you start with the character of the uh, of of Morton, or where do you begin? You know, the question of how you develop a story, or how even I develop a story, is is always of interest to me because it's the most mysterious part of the process. And I was wondering a little bit about what your process was. My process, my my process. That is a great question. My process builds on itself and and usually i start with uh you and i both come from uh you know tv and movies a little bit so you know i do start with a concept and i test the concept and see if it works and if it's if it's a if it's a good enough hook but once i do that it starts to build on itself and uh th this was uh, you know i was really intrigued about somebody that 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 did infiltrate um a community uh of people that changed their identities and hid their money and disappeared. And I read a, a lot of stuff um, that was really weird, stuff I found on, on the internet, books that I found on Amazon that were really obscure about telling people how to disappear. And I thought that was, you know, just a, a wild thing to think about. You know, it was also another thing I remember when my, when my father passed away a long time ago. And I remember seeing somebody that looked like him and, and I, my imagination went wild. And I said, what if he's still alive? You know, of course, it was wishful thinking, you know, but what would have happened to him? That was another element that I, I added to the story of what if there are a lot of people that, that can do this and, can, and really can change your identity and, and have a sec, second lease on life and, and just do things differently. I just that spawned my imagination. And then I built on that and pieced together other characters. And like anything else, it just developed. And I started with something and then. Then I get obsessed with it and just start writing it, and it just it starts building and coming together until it's complete. At what point did Jennifer come to you? Would you say? I mean, was that early on? Was that part of the early development process, or the, the, the character, like I said, of, a, of an IRS agent, and who 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 would who would become an IRS agent, and what, why 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 an aggressive one? What what the backstory would be really intrigued me. But my first drafts were. Um, we're a male character, actually. Uh, well, see, that's that's getting at the kind of question I was asking. Uh, that's really interesting. So, what made you decide to change it from male to female? It really wasn't me at first. It was a suggestion by a producer that was interested in, in the movie rights, and a female director actually wanted to do it. And she said, "You know, I, I really love the story. Uh, can, can you can you make the protagonist?" 
uh, a female. And I said, well, it's really a story about a father and son. I don't think so. And I, I sat on it a long time. And I, I said, one day I just, I, I literally went to um, my Word document and did a, a fine change thing with uh, uh, the character's name was Jeffrey and, and changed it to Jennifer. And I, uh, I just did it on a, on a lark. I was, I was just goofing around one day. And I started reading it with Jennifer. And I said, you know what? A lot of what we, we think of uh, as male characteristics became a lot more interesting when it was through the eyes of a female. And, and so even though I was, I was opposed to it at first, I started to go with it. And then it's that spawned a rewrite with a lot of other ideas that, that. Yeah, that I can see how that would, that would sort of provide a whole different dynamic. But surprisingly it made it more interesting to me. So that, that yeah. was, that was a nice surprise and, and kind of later in the process. And when I read it, I, it's interesting you mentioned the origin because I I kept thinking this is a movie. Did you did you think of it in those terms when you were writing it? I did, I, you know, and I and I think in those terms when I write a book or movie. Um, although you know I'm, I'm newer to novels and uh, and I kind of like it because you can fill in all the blanks and, and and all that. But I do I do find the structure to be similar because that's how I like stories to be told. So, um, and I, and I think there is a lot of overlap and I do think, uh, probably more visually. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did think, and I do think, um, it, it could translate, but I think I, I, I kind of like the way it works as a novel too. You know, I was going to ask you the same question because, uh, for lack of a better comparison, you're, your book reminds me a little of uh, Spinal Tap, you know, that kind God, of stuff. You know, I, somebody, one of the blurbers mentions that. I don't see it at all. I've got to be honest with you. And even calling it, he called it a satire, and I don't see that either. It seems to me it's a very sort of brooding, morose kind of non-funny book. Um, but I guess everybody reads things in a different way. I mean, Yeah, that's how people read it. Was, but that, but the, the, the different points of views made me wonder if you were, you were thinking of, uh, you know, it's something that really could be done as a movie, but it's a period piece, which makes it really interesting. Yeah, well, I, you know, obviously, I think almost anything can be done as a movie, and if I were thinking of an analog, I'd probably go with Citizen Kane rather than Spinal Tap. Well, that's um, But, you know, that's very secondary to me. I mean, I, I, I think this may be where we differ, although I did a lot of work in film and television, and... I did it because they paid me. Uh, my love always was writing fiction, and that always—that was the sort of the first love. I mean, my, my father was a movie writer, so it was not—it uh, was not a foreign language to me. But it wasn't—it wasn't where my uh, my energies initially went. Um, that, that's really—is so, is that where you did a lot of your research on the uh, golden age of Hollywood? Well, you know, I. I only had to do research. I was going to ask you about research too, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the only thing I had to research were details. I mean, I, I couldn't, during the period that my novel takes place, I wasn't sure who was the head of MGM, so I had to check that. Uh, I, got, I got Vincent Price's wife wrong the first time. I thought it was Coral Brown, but in fact he married her later. It was a woman named Mary. So, I mean, there were, there were those kind of very specific details that I had to research. But for the rest... Partly, I grew up in it, so that that provided some of the answers. And then, 
I don't know. It just seems to be part of the air we breathe in a way. You know what? Show business is so omnipresent in our consciousness. Um, and in a way, one of the things that got me started on this, and again, it was, I saw it, you know, I don't know, 40 years ago or something, there were a series of TV documentaries about the great actors of the 50s, the actors who came of, of age in the 50s. And one of the things I liked about it, there was a, an interesting atmosphere. I mean, it was post-war, it was pre-60s, but there was something sort of gathering force beneath the surface. And I guess growing up in the 50s, I was kind of aware of that in a very dim, un, unarticulated way. And that's part of what I sort of hope to capture in the book. Well, one thing I think is so interesting is, is fame and celebrity, you know, back then and, and how somebody would become a movie star and, and, and how a movie would resonate, you know, back then and, and be, mm. you know, ubiquitous in our society and everything compared to now when, and, and you have a, a experience in everything from television to, you know, you know and beyond. W what is your take and on how, and I think anybody that reads your book will, will, will make the comparison to how, how things have changed in, in our, our, in cinema uh, now and, and, and in content in general. What is, what is your feeling? About well, there are so many things competing for attention now that didn't exist then. On the other hand, TV was brand new, and everybody in movies was afraid of it. So that sort of figures in my book, and I think in an almost subliminal way. People didn't know if anybody, I mean, people who make movies weren't confident that audiences would still come to movies. They now could watch entertainment for free in their living rooms. And I think that did sort of have this huge impact on, on film. Partly, they tried all sorts of devices like 3D yeah. and Cinerama and, you know, sort of brought widescreen and more, a different sort of technique for using color and all that stuff. But they also sort of got serious. Um, every studio wanted to put out a few prestige pictures because they thought TV couldn't really compete with that. Um, and I think all those elements sort of figure in my novel, which is, uh, we haven't made it clear, but it's about an actor, the central character. And as we were saying, I mean, as I was saying, it's all these different points of view, but we never get his point of view, which is part of what I think is, uh, is in a way the device of the book. We, we see him always from the outside. We never see what he's really thinking or feeling. Which gives you room for a sequel. <laughs> From well, his, if, you if you finish the book, you'll realize there's no room for a sequel. <laughs> no, don't say that. Don't tell anybody. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, but, but well, I, what I kind do of research think... did you have to do? I mean, that, that's actually one of the questions I've written down here because uh, it seemed to me. I, I'm I'm wondering how much you made up and how much how much you found, you discovered by by study. I mean, did you go to the Cayman Islands, for example? Yeah, I did. I did um, a lot of research like that, and 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 a lot. And I think the the devices are accurate, and like I say, the backstories that that are used as a parallel to the story in the the backstory of uh, Jennifer Morton's father and all the the elements um, that 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 are historic are is are I think very accurate. Um, I did a lot of interviews with with people that were around the time and were involved in some of those cases. So. 
Um, I got a lot of firsthand off the cuff interviews. A lot of the people didn't want to talk because some of their clients were, um, you know, charged with, with, uh, d different, uh, tax evasion schemes and things like that. But, um, how did you find them? Um, talking to one attorney who recommended another, you know, tax attorneys, mostly hmm. people that, did, that you have to, sorry? Uh, did you have to travel to get to them or no. was it? Did mostly phone interviews, uh -huh. um, and then you know, of course, uh, there were there were some strange books. Uh, like I said, that I I, I, t I told you I found some books that were really obscure uh, on on how to hide your money and disappear um, just off just off of Amazon just by doing searches. And um, there were there was also a, a lot a lot of books that um, were written. I, I found a couple of books that were written by IRS agents. After they left oh. the IRS, which I thought were really interesting and, and their take. So, um, you know, I picked up pieces and then I uh, funneled it through and, and, and made my own interpretations, basically. But I, 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 I like to think that it's um, very plausible. And to what extent did the geography figure in your planning? I mean, did, you actually went and scoped out the location, is that right? Well, I had been there and um, so, so I had a, a good sense of it and I, t I talked to a lot of people. Um, you know, offshore banking, I think, is used uh, differently than it was uh, back uh, in the earlier part of the story because uh, it's easier to track money now or it's, hard, so it's harder to hide it, I think. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's still huge. I mean, the estimations are at $7 trillion. So there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, money that's, that's hidden there from the United States alone. And um, I just thought that that opens up all kinds of possibilities. Now, a lot of them are just shelters and, and places that people are protecting. But um, I just thought, I, I thought it uh, added to a great framework. And it also, you know, allowed for the character to um, come to terms with a lot of her backstory that uh, the, the, the secrets in her family that, that um, she never really knew about and really motivated her for doing what she, what she, uh, what she was pursuing and changes her forever. So um, I thought that was a, a good, a good um, world for her to explore, to, to, to see that when you, when you change your perspective, everything could change. So mm -hmm. that, that, you when know. you were writing, were there any facts that were so inconvenient you had to, I mean, real facts that you had to, somehow either doctor them or, or kind of uh, fudge them? Some things became uncomfortable. And when I did a lot of research, um, there, were, there were a lot of people that, that are well-known people that were um, accused of hiding money offshore and, uh -huh. and, and uh, are still around and very present. And, and I, you know, wanted to be, at first I, I wanted to add them to the story uh, to color it in, to give it a sense of, uh, reality, uh, but I, I decided I, I should be careful. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that too. Did anybody? Were you threatened at any point? Did anybody threaten you? Not yet, but I haven't been audited yet this year. So, <laughs> 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 all right. No, it did cross my mind. You know, just like doing research on, on the IRS and everything. But I, I, you know, I don't think I did it in any offensive way or or, or talked about anything that isn't public knowledge. So. Um, right. I was I was more thinking of people who are who have sort of either faked their death or who are sort of living off the grid if they feel this book might draw attention to them. Right. And, you know, 
I, I just think that that's the, the most fascinating area, and it, it, it makes makes you wonder. Um, but but it is plausible, and I think uh, it, it, it is uh, prevalent now. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was kind of neat. But um, so you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, as as somebody who has uh, written and um, successfully in, in almost every medium, because you said that you're, you were originally um, uh, most attracted to being a novelist and, and you've done. Oh, yeah, always. That was, yeah. And you've done three or four already? This is, the new one is my fourth. It's your fourth. Uh, you've, you've written on big TV shows. I know you said that uh, it was just a paycheck, but, you know, MASH and All in the Family and, and you've done some big movies and uh, you're very prolific uh, uh, in journalism. How do you juggle it all? What do you, uh, you know? How do you organize? You, your have, you left out my speeches for President Clinton and Vice. President. I, you know that was that. Was, that I, no, I didn't leave it out. I was going to ask about that <laughs> next. Actually, it's it's the weirdest element in my CV. But anyway, what was your? I'm sorry, what was your question? Yeah, no, I was just wondering. You know, I, I think it's really interesting because I'm always I have tunnel vision. I. I tend to compartmentalize and work on one thing at a time. It's, it's difficult, uh, except, except when I'm directing things, it's, you know, I can multitask, but when I'm writing, I, I'm, I'm very um, focused on one thing at a time. How do, you, how do you juggle your projects, decide what to work on, or do you just do it as things come in, or, or how, how do you prioritize, how do you work? Well, if I'm working on a novel, that, that takes pride of place. Uh, I do find although there's a lot of overlap, I do find different writing muscles are engaged when writing fiction as opposed to, say, writing a, a movie or even writing a play. I've done a few of those, too. Right, right. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to explain how it feels different. I mean, part of it is obvious. Uh, if you're writing a movie, a director is going to provide the visual element. And if you're writing a novel, you have to find a way of conveying as much of that as you can without writing really reams of boring description. Uh, but in another way, I, I, don't, I think you sort of have to get inside your characters more if you're writing a novel. I mean, you don't have actors to, to embody this, the, the different parts. It just requires, I think, I think it requires a more vivid and focused writing uh, to write fiction. You're the director, you're the actor, and you're the writer. Yeah, uh, it's fuller. It's it's the it's the complete thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I find it much more satisfying, um, in a way more challenging. Uh, the challenges of writing a screenplay are mostly, I find, technical or mechanical. Uh, you know, I mean, the the scenes you have to sort of construct every scene in advance, and you have to know all that stuff. Um, but in terms of sort of stretching creatively, I just I just find novels much more. Uh, I mean, in a way more difficult, but also much more fun. I think it's, it, yeah, to me, it, it, in a way it's more, I, I love movies and that was my first love, but I, I do find writing novels more satisfying just because you, you get, you get to play all those roles. Whereas whether you're a screenwriter or director or producer, or whatever, um, you're building on other people's work and it's a constant process. It's more collaborative and there, there's a benefit to that too, and it's uh, it, it, but, yeah. The benefit, the benefit I find is companionship. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's a lot less lonely. 
Yeah, it's a lot less lonely, but that's also the that's also the drawback. You have to listen to people whose opinions you don't necessarily respect. I mean, I'm sure you've had this too. You get notes and you think, oh, God, no. Do I have to do that? Um, well, that, that was the reason I started writing, because of those frustrations. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, 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 it's a, it really is such a different, uh, a different process. And it's really interesting, uh, you know, how some movies are made into to novels and vice versa now. It's really... Uh, really fascinating that you know people are yes, really, I, there's you know. actually the, the last one of these i did the last one of these podcasts i did was with um somebody who's written, who's edited a book of sort of horror stories by writers who work in fiction and then have seen what happens to their work when it's translated into film and they're almost invariably horror stories I mean, I, I think there was like one writer in, in that entire collection who felt pretty good about what had happened to his or her work. I can't remember which one it was now. Um, and uh, I, I've only done my first novel, although it wasn't made, it was, uh, it was commissioned as a screenplay, and I did the screenplay, and uh, I was working with a smart and sympathetic producer, but it was still a kind of nightmare experience. Was it? Um, yeah. You know, it's just there. Suddenly, there are always going to be too many cooks. It's it's amazing that sometimes something really good emerges from this. It is amazing when it doesn't, and you know, many times it doesn't. Sometimes it goes in the other direction, well, and you don't know. You don't know most, mostly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and you don't know if something had the potential if it if it had been done differently, and and that's always delicate, you know, and and it's all personality driven. Yeah, I mean, and. It is true, and these are sort of, this has become a cliche, but it, once you sell your, a book to the movies, it's no longer your book anymore. You still have your book, but this is going to be a completely different entity, and different people are going to be in control of it, and you can't say, oh, no, you've ruined my work, because it's not your work anymore. It's, it's, a, it's, as you said, a collaborative process, and it results in something completely different. Well, and, and so, since you since you started in t TV too, and and people are now calling uh, TV the golden age right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, and and it is it is a lot better than it ever was, and and you could say much better. Yeah, yeah, maybe we have better actors there and better writers and all that. But it's also it's also changed and has, you know, for lack of a better word, has become more novelistic in in, in its approach. And well, I, and part of the reason I think is because there is usually one governing creative intelligence, even if, even if the different episodes are written by, by a variety of people, there's a Bible and a tone which is provided by the writing producer. Yeah, I mean, sure. if you look at you know, David Chase's work or if you look at The Sopranos or if you look at any number, you know, Breaking Bad, any number of things, you can actually attribute the work to one mind. Uh, it's obviously collaborative, but the tone, I think, can be attributed to one particular creative person, and and that I think makes a huge difference. It does, and and and, and you know, movies were supposed to do that too, especially uh, with, with the word auteur. You know, where auteur, we're, which is yes, I've 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 written about that. <laughs> okay, so that that was supposed to work, and it was supposed to be a vision, but you know, it varies, right? And it varies. Well, but, yeah, and I think the problem is the auteur is supposed to be the director. And I think that automatically distorts how it really works, um, unless you're dealing with somebody who writes as well as directs. 
Right. That's uh, it. If you have a writer director, then it's uh, you know. A little yeah. Bit then you might begin to say, okay. Although even then, the editor is going to probably probably play a much bigger role, unless the writer director also edits, like with Francis Ford Coppola. And um, that's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, anyway, yes, if I were starting in TV now, I think I would probably like it much better than I did when I was doing it. Do you pursue, are you, you still do any TV or movies or just completely focused I, on? I haven't in a while. I mean, I, I've written a couple of screenplays unproduced so far with, uh, with another writer, a very good writer named Treva Silverman, but that's like once every few years we might do that. It's not, uh, it's not something... I do on a regular basis. And, and no, you, that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the journalism, though. I just that's you know that's in a way just getting things off my chest. So I, that's easy. To, you know, for me, that's like that doesn't. It almost doesn't feel like writing. It feels like something else. Venting. It feels like venting on paper. When did you move out of Hollywood? Oh, oh well, when I went to college. Oh. Okay. Uh, I made it a point not to live in L.A. even when I was working in, in film. Uh, I would fly down for meetings and then fly home to do the work. I just found it was better for my sanity. Uh, That's Partly because up here, my friends do all sorts of different things. Yeah. And down there, virtually all my friends were in the industry. And I liked the variety. And also, I found I was becoming unhealthily competitive. Right, you know, right. You know, if a if a good friend had a development deal and I didn't, I resented it, and I didn't think that was a very healthy way to, to live my life. So well, that's that's good that you learned that early on. You, yes, well, I just never went. To, you know, I I was born in L.A. and I spent the first twelve years of my life there, or thirteen years, but I realized that wasn't the place I wanted to to live, and as a consequence, I I really like the place. You know, almost everybody I know who lives in L.A. complains about it. But I enjoy going down there. It's, you know, it's fun. I have friends. It's got a nice climate and so on. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a fun playground, but it, it can get overwhelming, uh, you know, because it is such a, a unique place, a one-sided yeah. place. And, and once my son was born, I really didn't want him to grow up in that environment. You know, I didn't want him to go to a school where everybody knew what everybody else's parents were up to and what car they drove and stuff. It just, it just seemed to me distorting. And you mean like birthday parties on private jets? Things like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Oh gee, you only drive that year car. My father has a, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't want that to be part of part of his life. Um, okay. So we don't, we don't have a lot more time. So let's, let's switch gears to politics. Okay. Uh, that's, before we only have a So what? Uh, t tell me, you did you did some uh, speech writing for the Clintons? Is that right? Yeah. Well, my wife was in Clinton's cabinet in the first term. Oh, okay. And so I, we we moved to Washington for the, those four years, and they just the White House asked me if I would help out with speeches, and it seemed like a very exciting thing to do. So I did, um, and mostly the humorous speeches. And um, I've got to tell you, when the president delivers a speech that you wrote and it gets laughs, it's a pretty, pretty damn gratifying thing. You know, I, and it would be sometimes for those black tie dinners like the correspondence dinner or the, or the gridiron. And it, I said to, you know, I, those were done collaboratively. And I said to one of my fellow writers, this is like, it's like opening night every time we do this. That's, that's course, awesome. When, so, so I take it the, the new administration hasn't called? No, 
<laughs> no, no, actually, no. No administration since has called. Um, <laughs> okay. I th- I think if Gore had won, uh, he might have called on me, but uh, uh, Obama didn't know me, and Republicans wouldn't wouldn't want to know me. So it's right. yeah. well. You're up in Berkeley, so I don't think they would. Uh, they they know where that is. So they know it's enemy territory. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. It's, exactly. he'd, he'd rather go to North Korea, I think, than come to Berkeley. Right. Better friends. <laughs> yeah, we've probably come to the end of the road. Nice talking to you. Great talking to you as well, and, and good luck with your book. And good luck with yours. Well, okay, uh, take... Fingers crossed for you. Okay, talk to you soon.